Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller for My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. Today, my special guest is a the wonderful librarian, Katherine Hodges. Katherine is the middle school librarian at Southeast Bullock Middle School. I have to... Um, fan girl on Catherine a little bit because I had the honor of working with her for eight years um, when I was an elementary art uh, art school teacher at Stilson Elementary School and Catherine you always did such an amazing job creating these warm inviting um, just exciting place for the students to go to to read. Um, I still have fond memories of the reading and uh, family reading nights that you would host and, you know, put on and like just all the things that you do as a librarian to make students feel like books are their friends and that they're exciting and the just, yeah, the, the activities you had were just outstanding. So well, thank, thank you, Nancy. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. And thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. So I really wanted to interview you because you have so much experience as a librarian and as an illustrator creating stories and images for young readers. I wanted to kind of get closer to the, you know, to the librarians who are recommending the books we're purchasing them and it's so funny because I worked with you for such a long period of time and it's like oh I had this amazing resource that I could have just gone to um and yeah so so now it's my like second chance to go back and um and redo things <laughs> so that's why I wanted to have you here but to start off um you know, I knew you also as a homeroom teacher and I kind of wanted the audience to hear like what you know, inspired you to go down the path of, say, um, from homeroom teacher to librarian? That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. But, but I think one of the things um, when I worked on my bachelor's degree um, and, and growing up, growing up, I always just enjoyed reading. It was fun for me. But I think what really striked an interest in me is when I was working on my bachelor's degree, I took this course and it was just, you know, teaching literacy to students and, but the teacher focused more on like getting students interested and just like you say, creating that environment and making it fun. So it wasn't about so much as teaching the skills, which was included, but she focused more on developing that love of reading in students because that's part of the battle right there. If you can get them interested and, and help them find things that they love and then just developing and cultivating, you know, by creating opportunities and environments and showing them maybe um, books that they would normally choose. And so in that class, uh, my final project was to write and illustrate a book. It was just like instead of doing a paper or whatever, since it was a literacy class, we had to, our book was our final project. Um, and this was like way before, you know, computers. So everything was kind of like handwritten, hand-drawn, maybe typed. I think I did get it like typed in there and then printed the pages with it typed on there and um, illustrated some pictures, but the book was based on my ferret that I had. His name was Rocky and it was called Rocky's Day Out. And what happened was one day when I was at class, Rocky had 
snuck out of the house. He, I guess, gone through like the dryer vents <laughs> is Ooh. how he got out. He spent the day, I guess, outside and the neighbors finally found him. And so I just wrote the little book about, it was like a, you know, children's kind of picture book about all the things I imagined he probably did or discovered when he was wandering around from apartment to apartment. <laughs> oh, that is adorable. That's such a great idea. I love it. So, and then from there, how did you actually become a librarian? Oh, that's a good question because a lot of teachers don't realize it is like a separate degree. So once I began working on my master's program, it was an option um, and it's called instructional technology, but it has an emphasis in, um, you know, library. And so when I went back, I thought that is just what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on that master's degree and um and I really enjoyed that program. And a lot of it was online by then, which helped because I had small kids. So that was another thing that that made it possible for me to do. Well, because then when did you start that? Because then your kids were probably at Stilson with you at the time when you started your master's. No, I think they were like small because I can remember oh. having like my Zoom or like some kind of like, you know, Zoom sessions, but they were kind of playing around <laughs> and that made it nice that I could be right there but I have to be like be really quiet <laughs> oh well um so I was wondering then um then can you kind of explain because I know just from what um I saw you know being um you know working at a school with you librarians do a lot but I think people don't realize how much librarians actually do in the course because a lot I think there's this perception that maybe oh well they just um you know, just shelve books all day, which is not the case. Librarians do a ton. And I, what I found amazing, just like, you know, like, I think if you didn't have those conversations with the librarian, you would have no idea. Like, you know, I even remember just the extensive amount of work that you would do for the events, activities, and the things that you taught. But then on top of it, you like yearbook, but I wanted you to explain like to the audience, like what's a day in the life of a librarian like? Oh, I know at the beginning of the year, it starts with a lot of planning and you have to come up with those ideas, like themes for, like you said, literacy night, I go ahead and kind of plan those out because that's an event that just doesn't happen overnight. So it does take some planning and um, contacting. So I like contact people to visit or maybe read to the students. Uh, they enjoy puppet shows. So kind of like organizing those events throughout the year um then of course you and of course the yearbook so that involves kind of going out in the mornings and taking pictures um one of the things that's changed is with you know technology is we run a morning show so that's part of my responsibilities in the morning the students do a news show that um I usually have to interview and hire at the beginning of the year my announcers and then I have to train them on how to present and deliver the news and also work on the technology side of of projecting their image on a green screen with some you know news backgrounds <laughs> and um yeah there's the yearbook it just feels like always just things going on so there's never a dull moment and I do like the fact um that 
you know, students can come in and out and visit, but also I do have classes and lessons and um, teaching students about technology and digital citizenship. And, and now we're one-to-one -one Chromebooks, so they um, <laughs> are coming in with issues with that, which we do have a technology person, but that kind of falls under me too. So if that person's busy or out, then they just bring their Chromebooks to me. And I've spent many years learning how to repair those. Wow. And then also, um, I remember um, you also had the club. I didn't know if you were still doing that, but the technology the, the, where they would compete, I believe, at the technology fair. But, um, but that was a while ago because you were doing like those outside beyond your regular duties, if I recall. Yes, and I had that club for years at Stilson Elementary, and it was a great club because it helped the students develop their technology skills so that they would have a project that would be presentable at our um, technology fair or competitive, I guess, with other students from different schools at the local technology fair. And um, and I've had that for years, and now that I'm moving to the middle school, I'm still going to keep the the idea of having a club, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try a book club with the middle school because I think those students by that point are just love reading so much and, um, you know, would enjoy reading some challenging middle school level books that we could just discuss. I think I'd have some great discussions with, with that age student. And I think they kind of like get more into like identifying with those characters and understanding those feelings because they're starting to kind of mentally or developmentally get there emotionally and they have all these emotions going on so they kind of identify with the characters and and explain some of the things maybe some of the changes or difficulties that they might be having wonderful yeah it's like um a whole new branch of students to bring that love of reading to and that's exciting because I think it's like they're reading different things I mean it's like it's wonderful because I love picture books a, a ton but to vary it up with some of the um books especially in middle middle grades like the the themes and I the emotional arcs that you're talking about those are very exciting for um I've been reading a little bit more middle grade books and mm -hmm. so yeah definitely the reading and you just kind of get engrossed into those storylines yes and I think I've noticed just from what I've read so far, I'm sure I'll learn more, but I've noticed an interest because um, I met with the students a couple of times and they seem really interested in kind of like those fantasy type books, you know, usually with like superheroes or, or usually the main character has some kind of like, I don't want to say power, but special gift. Do you know what I mean? Those kind of books where <laughs> there's some kind of unique talent or gift and they're like using it to... I guess solid things or but yeah I've noticed that kind of trend I was curious so what's the best part of being a librarian for you um I the best part and the thing I enjoy the most is probably why I'm in the education side of being a librarian is working with the students because I enjoy um cultivating that love of reading um I enjoy not only the environment but I like to create these like interesting displays so I kind of try to ask the kids or either I can notice kind of what they're into reading and so I try to create things that they find interesting where they can like find the books real easy but also try to like tie in maybe some older type 
books or like series maybe that are really great, like Nancy Drew or um, Babysitter Club or something like that, and tie those in so that they would try something that's probably right along the lines that they like, but they would never pick it up off the shelf. And so I like creating those kind of displays that help them find those things, kind of like when you're shopping in a store. And then, um, and then I just, I enjoy organizing to um, like events, but one that I really enjoyed this year was a buddy read. And that's where the older students read to the younger students. And that is always like a successful events because the students enjoy that because I think it gives the older ones a chance to like, you know, teach the younger ones and the younger ones are just so excited because like an older student spending time with them. That's so true. Like big kids are still like, you know, for little kids are just like, they're like, they're so big. They're so cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I saw some photos of that on the Facebook for the school. I thought that was so sweet and it looked like everybody was just having a great time. Yeah. And this, I think students, a lot of times, you know, we, they sit there and they kind of like take in information. So it also gave the older students an opportunity. Like I would bring them in first and I'd give them their book and say, now you're the teacher. You have to you know, read this to the students. So we got to practice and get ready because you want to, you know, make it interesting and, you know, add some, some excitement to your voice. And so I kind of taught them some things like that to, <laughs> to help. Well, I love the sense of community that builds within the school, because I do feel like once they get to a certain age, kind of like, I don't associate with the little kids, you know, and things like that. And I think, you know, they don't also, uh, you know, there's a certain point where you just don't interact as much with younger students, even though you're at the same school, you know, so I think that's just fantastic. Yeah, they enjoyed it. That's great. So um, I was curious, so what's the most challenging thing? I'm so sorry, this is not in the original question, but I was kind of <laughs> like, what's the most challenging thing for being a librarian? I think trying to get, um, I, yeah, I think trying to probably sometimes I run out of time when the students are, you know, coming in and they just you know, need that individual help finding a book. Sometimes I'm limited on time there. And also um, trying to find a way to like get out and get those pictures. So that's been kind of a challenge because, you know, needing to be in the library, but also needing to kind of get out and get some pictures or, um, you know, check on some technology things or help students, I mean, help students, help teachers. So that's another thing that kind of falls under whenever teachers need help using a software or, um, maybe their Promethean boards are down and that's like always makes them a little nervous because everything's kind of like planned for the day. So we got to get their technology up and running. Wow. So I was curious because you've been a librarian for so long and also a homeroom teacher. What have you noticed has been kind of the change in what the library or the duties of a librarian has kind of evolved because I you know you've you've been you know quite a few years in that role and I was just curious like yeah oh yeah yeah so so going back to one of the biggest changes is definitely going to be technology because when I began as a librarian I had five 
desktop computers in the library for students to use. And so they could come in and use those when they needed to, to finish work um, or, you know, they had extra time or maybe it was a reward. Um, the website was one of the things I, that I started at the school. So when, oh. um, when I started, right before I started the media specialist, the principal actually asked me, because you know, I was working on the degree, if I could help create a website for the school. And so back then you had to have like a software. It wasn't those easy, like online sites that you kind of, so I had to like build it using a front page and then tie it, you know, to a, to an address, usually like to the Bullitt County page or some, or some kind of an address. But now, you know, the web pages, they're so much easier to just like, create or add your information to because a lot of it's just already laid out for you and um but in addition to the website now social media has been added and that was something mm -hmm. I never had you know the beginning and it's one of the, I guess it's one of those challenges I should have said because because I know people know you can just get sucked into that social media where it just takes time and time and time away from your day um, but the main goal of it I guess in the school area is just kind of getting the the information out there of you know special activities or projects or things teachers and students are working on that maybe the community might enjoy seeing so you're kind of like displaying those like positive experiences from your school or just you know things like awards or things that your school may have or students may have kind of won along the way so that's something that started taking a lot of my time because social media at first, you know, people didn't use it and now everyone gets on there. So like when something happens, they want to know. <laughs> and, um, and also the students are now one-to-one -one with devices. So um, each student in our school has access to either an iPad or a Chromebook during the school day. So this is added responsibility um, as far as, you know, maintaining the, iPads and um, Chromebooks, but also teaching the students all about digital citizenship. So I think when I first began, I would teach lessons, you know, library skills and research, which I still do. But now there's a whole nother thing of um, teaching students digital citizenship and being careful online and the do's and don'ts <laughs> of school emails. And then one of the um, recent changes, though, on the library side and that might help some of your audience is the popularity of graphic novels. So when I first began, you know, students would read a lot of fiction. They love like, you know, chapter books and things like that. But I've seen this like big surge in the graphic novels and students are really enjoying those. Whereas uh, they've taken certain series and remade them into graphic novels and the students will choose those. Like, for example, I Survive is a really popular series. And a lot of times the students will prefer the graphic novel over the regular I Survived really so good for illustrators today because students love the artwork in those graphic novels it's a little challenging sometimes because some are written like comics uh -huh. but some authors actually write their graphic novels like non-fiction you know like non-fiction books uh -huh. i try to say fiction books they write them like fiction but it's just regular and then add the pictures in too so i've seen them done both ways Interesting, because I saw that series at my local library, and I actually picked up a copy. It was like the one I survived, and it was like the San Francisco, like when they'd had the earthquakes, and I can't remember what 
year it was, but you could tell from the costuming dress that obviously this was not in present day. I don't know. It was like a hundred years ago or something, but it was an interesting, yeah, it was really interesting to see that, but that's fascinating. So the audience is really embracing. um, Now, like I'm curious then is graphic novels because like I just, some things that I've heard do, do the, I mean, the kids enjoy, do the parents, um, see that as legitimately like uh that's a book because there's so many pictures do they or do they you know think that oh well you know it, it's still reading or uh yeah I haven't had too many complaints from parents I, every now and then you know one will say I prefer or the student will actually tell you my mom said don't get any more of these books but I think I've gotten more I guess opinions because some do like it and some don't from teachers so some teachers and I I think it's the format like I was saying they don't like the format of the old comic style because you know it's it's a different reading style versus the way we teach them kind of reading you know across the page so um so yeah I think teachers are the ones that have more of an opinion of some do like it and some feel like <laughs> these are these aren't helping the students, and, that, and it probably boils down actually to the testing of it. So the AR testing, maybe they're not performing as well, and that's why the teachers feel like they need to choose something else because um, they're just not able to answer the. And what AR does is it's just a little quiz that checks the students' comprehension and vocabulary of what they've read. Oh, are they still doing AR? Because I think once my son went into middle school, I don't really remember. Like, I think it's mainly, uh, just to re- refresh my memory, it's mainly elementary school that's the AR testing, because I don't really remember with my son w- once he switched to middle school. Yeah, you're probably right. And also, it's becoming, like, more optional now. So now it's just kind of optional. Uh, but some of the teachers do it, and it just kind of, like, keep a record of where the students are and how they're doing. It's just, I guess, another form of assessment that helps, um, you know, I guess, identify where students are on their reading levels. Oh, good to know that. So I was wondering, as far as with um, the books that are um, in your library, how do you decide what's going to be in your library collection? Okay, well, I use, as a librarian, I use a variety of tools to to create the school collection. Um, One of the companies we use is called Follett, and Follett, is um has this great thing where you can upload your current inventory and they help you do a collection analysis and so I start there because the collection analysis will show me what areas I'm weak in because you know even as a reader myself there are things I prefer reading and so that the connect collection analysis helps me identify you know, maybe some things that, because I wouldn't normally buy a snake book or, <laughs> or a spider book, but I have students that love to read those. And so as a librarian, I have to like, make sure I'm getting, you know, a variety of interests and not just things that I might find interesting. And so that kind of helps me be less biased and, um, and, and it gives me more balance to my collection. And then, um, and then another thing I do is I, I purchase based on students' interests, and I usually can tell because they'll ask, like when they start reading a series, they'll ask, do you have any more of these books? Do you have any more? And they're the ones, I guess, the series that always stay like off the shelves. 
and I can't keep them in stock and they just kind of keep turning over and over. And so um, I can usually determine what they like. And then some of the companies also that I purchased from, they'll have newsletters or sometimes they'll send out little summaries of like award-winning books. And a lot of times I'll try some award-winning books because they look interesting. And I've also purchased from this um, company called Junior Library Guild. And they have an interesting program where you pick out, I guess, what you what collection you want. So maybe if so, so once I found that students like graphic novels, I, I like chose that as my collection and they read through a variety of, you know, new books that come out and they pick the best ones and they send them. So they do all the, re so you give them your, your area genre, they do all of the research and then they send you just like a couple of books a month. So, so it's nice because every month you have new books, but I've found that some of those have been some of the best choices. That is so they so do cool. a good job mm -hmm. and um yeah because dog man is one of the ones that they just love that one. Oh yeah <laughs> my students at the at the school I teach at now they all took the dog man book and, okay so one of them brings it into the art room because I was kind of like it was the end of the the school year and I was like we're just passing out artwork that's fine we have this very small uh library it's just along one wall so the student brings it over and they all started drawing so smart he has a little breakdown of the drawing steps at the yeah. end they love that and they just sat there and draw dog man over and over again <laughs> Super smart. Some of the pa pages that the students show me, some of the pages I think you can like flip and it has like a, you know, the movement, like the old style comics where you like flip them and you see like the movement. So cool. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting, like um, that graphic novel, that kind of, and I was wondering, do you find also, because I've been reading also online that graphic novels for younger readers, like we're talking to like probably even first grade because I always imagine like graphic novels probably being upper elementary have you seen as far as like more of also for young readers really young readers I haven't seen so much yet but it wouldn't surprise me because some of the younger readers um books that I have they're kind of older and you know the pictures just aren't as exciting so I would imagine they would do really well because you have less words per page that those younger readers would enjoy kind of some updated artwork as well. Oh, that's great to know. So you mentioned some of the books that are popular with young readers, the graphic novels, and you mentioned Dogman. Are there any books that you're you're seeing that are just kind of trending? And I guess it, it it could vary from region to region, um, but I was kind of in your um, experience, what, you know, are there ones that seem to carry over and over every year? Are there just, you know, um, I guess uh, just kind of what's popular and kind of breaking up, like not only like the really young, because I always kind of chunked it up when I was teaching art, like you have my year pre-K to first grade and then your second to third and then fourth and fifth that I kind of like broke it up in my head what they would be interested in. Is there a way you could kind of share some of that based on those age categories? Mm -hmm, sure. The, um, which I've already spoken about the graphic novels, but I couldn't leave out Wings of Fire. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a dragon oh. series and they 
love that's one of the top ones that students at Stilson were checking out um dogman and then wings of fire um for for my easy readers my lower level readers they enjoy and some of these are kind of older but they still enjoy there's fly guy biscuit mm -hmm. pete the cat is still super popular and and there's this series that's about this little old lady who swallows things and they like she just like swallows a bat or swallows a book and it kind of goes into the whole song but with different a different story every time and a different ending and something that's been kind of new the past couple of years i've also noticed is ghost stories that these students there they seem to not be afraid of anything they love like things that are creepy and things that are scary and so that that series they made into the movie like the one the ghost stories that you tell in the dark oh. they love stuff like that but there's also a series I've been able to find um and it's one called ghost stories that I found at Scholastic and it, it's more of like the history behind the ghost stories so I guess it's age appropriate because it is creepy because it talks about you know some of the ghosts in history um, but it explains how it came about, like the history of that character or that, um, you know, historical figure, I guess. That is really cool. Yeah, I was talking to or chatting online with a, um, she writes YA, but it's interesting. The, um, and then it kind of plays off of what you're like, folk, which I didn't even know this was the, with the category it was like, it's called American folk horror, but it's like, um, the sleepy hollow like yeah. those kind of like it's that. there mm -hmm. it's really popular and it's just it fascinates me because it's like well I mean I watched the Disney cartoon version <laughs> <laughs> like that was the one that I recognized but then like they're reimagining it to be more of like even the where because uh my husband's really interested in that kind of history but like from the side of the author like where he like lived and you know some of these are based on like real people and I had no idea I just thought it was a Disney <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's really fascinating I was surprised I kind of was like oh this is kind of interesting I had no idea so yeah it is really and that's what I love talking to a librarian is you know you're just so immersed with the with the kids are interested because you really get insight of like what is the current temperature of what because like oh I talked to my son and oh and by the way I know this is off topic is <laughs> that cat warriors series still yes yeah. I still have students read those they love those that and the bear and oh yeah my 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 son remembered when you recommended that series to him <laughs> and he loved it he still talks about that sometimes. That's a good series. If you have any kids who are, who are reading at that age, he's like, you, you should recommend that book series. And I remember it was from that interaction with you that he had because he would go up and be like, yeah, Miss Hodges, she recommended <laughs> that book. So I think it's fascinating. It's like those kind of things that play out. Like as a educator, you go like, wow, that was something that an interaction that you have over a book. And like years later, because- now he's 17 and it's like he still remembers that that's great that makes me feel warm <laughs> so I was wondering um you touched on where you buy your books normally but I also know you do the book fairs um with 
were you, was it Scholastic or was it another company that you were doing it with? Yes, Scholastic. Now there are other companies out there. I have not um, tried any of them. Um, so yeah, I've been sticking to Scholastic because they've always, you know, had a good program and that's another place I'm able to get some of my books because of the, you know, the money that I earn from the book fair, then I can turn around and purchase books for the students for that. And they love a book fair because, well, they love the books and they love, um, you know, all the things that you can buy, the pens and the pencils and things like that too, as well as the books. That's so cool. I thought it was such an undertaking because I watched one time when I went into, I was like, oh my goodness, not only does she have all these books that she's setting out with the displays, but then one of the things that I thought I was like, man, she's brave. It's the exchanging of the monetary funds with the, because you're getting it from all the, I mean, like they, the bags with the, I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's like, because you, you know, you don't want the kids, you know, obviously they're, you know, the young kids are just not going to be like, oh, I had, you know, five, 10 bucks or whatever. And then where did I have that? Where did it go? You know, and having all that organized, that amazed me that you had it down. I felt like she has this down to a science. And now, and I think one of the reasons too, that's like made Scholastic easy to stay with is they've come up with the e-wallet. And so now parents just can go to the Scholastic site and put money in an e-wallet is what it's called. And the you know, student can bring the little e-wallet and I can scan it or I can also look it up and it just gives their balance of what they can spend. And that's been nice because then you don't have that money transaction. Students, you know, worried about losing money or or like buying things for others and all that. Yeah, I mean, that amazed me. So that's one of the things that I didn't get to see that switch over to all you know, it's so fascinating, like how the times have changed. Yeah, I remembered all those Ziploc bags. I, would, yes. I remember, I was like the pre-K teacher, the uh, para would bring, I was like, I don't know how they keep that straight. That is just like, <laughs> so you could do anything, uh, Catherine. I'm always amazed, like the amount of organization. Well, you know, it probably plays into organizing all those books. Yes. <laughs> like that's a challenge in itself. Mm -hmm. I'll go like, whew. I was curious, like, um, as far as the books, how often do you like those series that you know the kids are going to love and they're just getting constantly checked out? Like how how often do you have to refresh or does that happen very often? Do they last like a decade, a set of books? That's a good question. Some of the older books, and it also depends, like when I purchase the book, it, I have like several options. So I know like the ones that are bound usually um, like, I don't know if it's like thread or something that they do in the, the spine, but those last a really long time. And then sometimes the glued ones do, but sometimes they don't. So there's different, I guess, types of books and some last longer the way that they, you know, produce them. But I think one of the things um, about that too is the graphic novels we were talking about I think because they're so heavy with all of the ink and then there's so many pages to them those don't seem to be lasting like I know like for example the dog band series I really go through those um some of those may last a year the same with wings of fire and it may just be like the version I'm buying of it maybe I should buy like a more heavy duty 
um, spine like version of it because with the glued pages they just kind of like tend to over time get loose and fall out or or the whole spine comes out and <laughs> I don't know it could be the kids these days <laughs> well, I was wondering you know one of the topics that I've heard quite a bit from authors and illustrators is um you know, certain books um, being banned um, in the library. And I was kind of wondering, um, have you run across that? You know, how do you guys handle from the librarian standpoint when a book is um, is challenged? Well, I have had that happen several times. So this year, um, as the media specialist in our county, we meet together in a PLC. And so one of the goals is we came up um, well, with a, with a PLC goal, so that's like a goal that as media specialists in our county, we would have that we would accomplish within the year. And our goal was to come up with some procedures that parents could use to challenge the book. And so within the procedures, it shows them, you know, how to challenge that book and then, you know, what steps to take and what papers to fill out and then who makes that final decision, you know, if that book's going to be pulled off the shelf or not because once you pull it off too you're kind of like you're making it unavailable for other students so you do want to make sure that it's definitely something that would be in a, inappropriate not just kind of you know pulling it maybe because one person complained that's good to know um i yeah just it pops up a lot in conversation on well on social media with like um the authors and illustrators so I was just curious how that was handled and it's nice working together because once yeah. one school you know has that problem and then of course if it's pulled then we would all know and it kind of keeps us from you know all running across the same problem with that you know one book maybe if it's an issue it's probably going to be an issue across the board so if it one if it challenges at one school does that mean it applies that challenge would apply apply to all the libraries for the the district or is it just pulled from the one would the policy be that it's just pulled from the one school library I was curious um so it should be across the county so once oh. the parent challenges that book because it because we made it we're at the county level the decision was made okay good to know instead at the school level oh, okay um my next question is uh, school visits. Um, what do you look for as a librarian if you're going to have um, somebody come and speak with your students? Well, author and illustrator visits are very exciting for the students because it gives them a chance to hear from someone else because, you know, they hear from us teachers every day. And so bringing someone in is always exciting for them. They they enjoy hearing just the new perspectives. Um, but one of the, but some of the things like for authors, I would say students really enjoy when they're like engaging storytellers. Um, sometimes when they're like animated or have, you know, interesting things to show them. And it's also helpful for the students to see themselves as writers and for the author to demonstrate how they use that writing process. And with illustrators, I think 
if like any time like an illustrator and they do like the drawings for the students, the students are just fascinated by just watching them draw. So definitely if they could project that or either have, you know, some kind of way to make this large drawing so that the students can enjoy watching them do that. And then also things um, students, I think, um, it's good for them to see themselves as artists. So maybe that they don't think they can draw, but just promoting that. Sure, you can draw something, maybe giving them the opportunity to just create their own project or um, do something hands-on that keeps them kind of part, part of the presentation. <laughs> That's awesome. And my last question is, is there anyone that you are grateful for on your journey to being the wonderful librarian you are today? Well, yes, yes, you know, there's obviously all, all the, I guess, professors and people that kind of helped me through the program. Um, but I do have, like, there's the media specialist, like, at the middle school that's retiring. So Shannon Robertson is her name. And Nancy Brown was the one at Stilson. And they kind of allowed me to come in and do some, like, training hours under them. So I was, like, part of my degree to finish up. I had to do, like, so many hours. And that was that was very helpful for them to kind of, like, show me how they do, you know, the role. Um, I do appreciate, you know, our principal, Miss Goodman. She was the one that, that hired me into the role. So she, she kind of gave me that opportunity to give it a shot. And I have loved it. I definitely thought I found kind of my place. I enjoyed being in the classroom, being a teacher. Definitely feel like I kind of found my niche being in the library. And then um, there is an organization in our county called the Foundation for Education. And they offer grants to teachers so I, I couldn't not you know be appreciative I've been able to get get uh, several of those grants um to do like we did this like reading rainbow project where the students um created book but it wasn't really like trailers it was more like the old reading rainbow style where they talked about the book and kind of explained like a summary for students and I also used it to purchase some little free libraries because in Stilson, there's not a public library. So in the summer, like now in the summer, students can still access books. I just put every now and then I just go by and refill the little free libraries mm -hmm. and they um, can take a book and read it over the summer. And um, and I did, I did want to thank you, Nancy. I know you weren't, you know, asking me, but just getting me started because you were probably initial and in getting me started with the technology club and kind of like she already had the art club going. So you kind of like showed me that process and, and helped me kind of get that group going. And it ran successfully for years because um, I think students just enjoy having that like thing that they're good at, that they kind of fit in and, and, um, you know, something that they're really good at or successful at. And, they always seem to enjoy staying after school and I always was amazed at how much they would work on those projects. So they're doing work, but they don't think of it as schoolwork. <laughs> and then, um, and of course, um, my most recent principal, Mr. Boykin, for just giving me the opportunity to make that transition from elementary to middle school and just giving middle school a shot. 
Well, I'm super excited for you, Catherine. Can't wait to see all the wonderful programming that you do at the middle school and the students that are going to be so excited about reading because that is, yeah, it's such a lifetime, you know, whatever they do, hopefully they'll just carry that on for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to My Creative Life. Bye.